Love is in the air, and there are few things that I love more than a profitable restaurant. What's your plan to ensure that this Valentine's Day is your most profitable yet? Connect with the Yelp for Restaurants restaurant expert to gain access to the tools and tactics you need to have a banner Valentine's Day. Visit restaurants.yelp.com to start planning today. Now here we go. Sometimes it's tangible things and sometimes it's just that intangible feeling and emotional connection to be able to ensure that not only do they come that first time, but they're so excited about the experience, the food, and the feeling that they left with. They want to come back time and time again. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. Marketing is this big, intimidating thing for most of us. For those ahead of the curve, marketing starts and stops with social media. But for many more of us, we aspire to have the time needed to even get that far. That's why I thought it would be incredibly valuable to chat with Kim Freer. Kim is the Chief Marketing Officer of Wetzel's Pretzels, an old brand innovating in new ways. Today we talk about what marketing looks like in practical application outside of social media and how it can have a transformative impact on our restaurants. I started personally in my career in traditional ad agencies, working mainly with clients that seemingly had an engine at the time, from aircrafts to automobiles, working on brands like Volkswagen, Audi, and Cessna Aircraft Company, actually. And from there on the agency side, I actually started working on the Subway Restaurants account, and Mm -hmm. I was managing local restaurant marketing for about 2,800 Subway locations across the Western U.S., and that really started what I call this like love affair with the restaurant industry. And since then, I've been hooked into the restaurant drug and had about 15 years that were specific to the restaurant industry, working on a variety of concepts and in that time was really excited about this opportunity to join the Wetzel's team because of its very strong, iconic kind of modern brand persona. And to me, it felt like kind of a blending of two previous experiences that I thought were kind of this making of this perfect Venn diagram. And what I mean by that is it was reminiscent of both kind of Subway and Blaze Pizza and my time with those brands. Uh On one hand, there was Subway, and it's known as this kind of well-known, well-established brand, proven business model. And on the other hand was Blaze Pizza and having this like very immense growth mindset, which at the time I was with them was known as the fastest growing restaurant in the history of food. We had gone from 26 restaurants when I started to 345 plus Uh, across 41 states, I think six countries, just immense, immense growth wearing a bunch of different hats. And this Wetzel's opportunity came up. And again, it just felt like the blending of both of those things where it was a strong brand that people are very familiar with, have nostalgia for, a lot of craveability, but also an opportunity to really kind of keep expanding and, and seeing kind of what's next. And so I was really intrigued by the prospect of working with Wetzel's 
again, kind of that beloved brand that puts a smile on your face and um, really felt like there was kind of a next level of growth that I could see them going to and was excited about taking kind of that legacy part of the brand, but giving it an even enhanced, perhaps kind of startup mentality. And so you get to Wetzel's and you have all of this background, I guess, to start, I mean, title aside, how would you describe your role there? So I lead marketing here at Wetzel's and it's interesting for me because it allows me again to wear a bunch of different hats, whether it be the strategy for marketing as a whole products, um, talking about new product innovation, as well as promotions of what's happening within the four walls, but also being at that inflection point of the brand to say, okay, we've traditionally were born and raised in malls. And now as that's still a core strong part of the business, how do we go forward? How do we build kind of that digital infrastructure to grow top line and take advantage of off-premise sales? How do we grow in terms of our flexible formats and be able to take that mentality of using high foot traffic locations, but finding additional avenues or places where those exist outside of the mall to complement with something like a Walmart or a C-store, or we've even popped into Macy's. You can see us, for instance, having a kiosk between women's shoes and fragrances. Um, Uh Wetzel's has that ability to flex and be wherever the people are. So it was about trying to find opportunities both in a physical format and a digital format to make us convenient and accessible and find ways to not only find those opportunities, but to be able to properly market for them as well. Well, and I think whenever we assume a new role, whenever we take a new position, we have a vision for that role. And I think we have a vision for the company that we're supporting. And so what was that vision in your mind? I'm coming Mm -hmm. into Wetzel's today, and here's what it's going to look like with my fingerprints on it. Well, the exciting part is I'm coming into a what I consider a very strong, relevant brand. And when you have that and you can nurture that and maintain it, that alone will start to pay dividends. And, you know, we've always been known for being kind of fun, fresh, playful, and having kind of a exuding our SoCal nature and heritage here. And I think that brand personality alone really resonates with our fans. It's why we continue to be seen on TV and in the hands of celebrities, whether we're popping up on a recent episode of SNL, being written into a Jimmy Kimmel monologue, or featured as part of a Billie Eilish music video recently. It's all part of this kind of unsponsored brand affinity. And other brands will pay influencers big bucks to associate with them. But at Wetzel's, we get a lot of these millions of impressions each year for free. And that that national exposure shows our brand affinity, but also the credibility kind of from coast to coast that our reach is beyond just our California roots. And I really think that kind of shows the credence of the brand too, that, that we have this passionate fan base that we've seen now from one generation kind of go into the next or possibly even the third over our lifespan. And so I think part of it is trying to understand what you have, keep that kind of connection with your guests, but maintain 
and kind of lean in whenever you can to those moments, but also to make sure that you're in the right places so that you can get kind of the benefit to your audience. And so I would say to that, developing marketing that meets the audience where they are. One example of that was leveling up our social media. And when I joined the brand, I wanted us to join TikTok and we did last year and our fans couldn't have been happier. Our presence on that platform has allowed us to engage with the next generation of consumers. And it's also given us new opportunities. And one example of that would be Megan Trainer actually recently posted a TikTok video rating all of the food that she ate at Disneyland. And in it, she gave us, and specifically our, our product called Cinnabits, an 11 out of 10 rating, saying it was one of the best things she ever put in her mouth. And the video now has nearly 20 million views. And it just frankly wouldn't have even been possible if we weren't on the platform to begin with. So I think it's about finding, evolving with our consumer base and evolving the brand to make sure that we're connecting with consumers to be able to be where they are, to build those connections. It also helps, of course, to attract kind of future crew members as well. And then with that, on the other side of, you know, strong brand is about kind of back to that point of convenience and accessibility. And so in the same way that we joined TikTok, that also evolving and building kind of that digital infrastructure and ecosystem to be on the third-party aggregators, to have online ordering, and now in the process of building a mobile app that will also make us more accessible and more user-friendly to be able to have, again, more of those touch points and, and show the modernization of the brand. So there's this massive hurdle, which is, I think for so many independent owners and operators, marketing is something that's still seen as optional. It's something that you can get to eventually when you have time. And I think that the reason that's the case is because marketing is this big, ubiquitous term. They mean so many things, right? Like in your case, it's Megan Trainer on TikTok as much as it is kiosks in Macy's as much as it is just being on the delivery platforms like everyone else and everything in between. How do you wrap your mind around it? Like if there is one idea that you use to say, this is marketing, this fits into my role as the one leading the marketing effort, how can an independent owner or operator without a specialization in marketing wrap their mind around the concept so that they understand how to proceed? Well, I think at the end of the day, we're all in this industry because of our guests. And so it's about doing what's best for the guest in terms of the products you're offering, the experience that you're giving, and making sure that they know that you're there and exist and can create that affinity with them. And so I think if you sit there and put your reason for being as a business or as a franchise is the guest, then a lot of those things start to easily kind of fall into place about how would I make this most useful, most accessible, most interesting, most beloved in creating. Sometimes it's tangible things and sometimes it's just that intangible feeling and emotional connection to be able to ensure that they're 
not a um, that they come and then that not only do they come that first time, but they're so excited about the experience, the food and the feeling that they left with. They want to come back time and time again. And so it's always a partnership of both marketing with operations to make all of that sing. But I would say that the guest is really the forefront of each and everything that we do to deliver that promise. A couple of points on that that I'm curious to get your thoughts on. So the first is an opportunity versus a distraction, right? The kiosk in Macy's could have been a brilliant idea that moved everything forward, or it could have just been a distraction, a waste of time, a waste of money, and it was a fruitless effort. How do you determine the difference between the two before it launches? Mm-hmm. Well, I because think there's us, a few I things. Mean, I, I'm, Not to interrupt, but I'm sure you've seen it, right? Like that idea, oh, this is going to revolutionize the business and this is going to get everybody's attention. And then it falls flat and isn't independent without a specialization in marketing. We experience that a lot, unfortunately, and it sours us on marketing, you know? Well, I think it comes to the point of, so there's the strategy behind it, and then there's also the test and learn. And whether it's a new product, a new procedure, a marketing campaign, or a new location or format, I think it's about having a solid strategy, the reasons why. But there's also a test and learn situation to see it in a a real life environment to be able to make the proper tweaks that might be needed, if so, or to prove out the viability. And so I think it's about having, again, solid context, research, intuition up front, and then having the fortitude to do the proper testing before you go kind of all in to make sure that your assumptions are right and to make sure that you've learned from the situation anything that might be useful to either stay the course or figure out how to apply those learnings to something else. And again, that can be across the board from new products to all the way up to a kind of a large format kind of opposition or a proposition, I should say. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you about is the boring stuff. You know, in my experience, at least a huge part of marketing is that direct communication, right? Making sure that there's a regular cadence of communication with our guests, keeping us front of mind which is really the priority of, I think, all restaurant marketing, right? It's just reminding people that we exist in their exceptionally busy lives. What does that boring stuff look like for you guys? And how important is that relative to the larger initiatives? Well, again, if you think of it through the lens of the guest is the most important part of the business, it's why we exist today and should be at the forefront of your decisions Everything that you do should really have the guest in mind of how to keep them, take them along the journey, show them the behind the scenes and invest in opportunities where there's brand awareness and the ability to interact with them that you really kind of know in your heart and mind that it's the right thing and the right place to be. And kind of back to that sort of like leveraging opportunities And so whether that's digital marketing, whether that's on the social channels, whether it's talking about the products or promotions in the store, it's finding unique ways to interact with our guests, to have 
genuine conversations show that we're in the know on what's happening with the, whether it's the latest album drop or something else that's happening culturally and kind of getting the, the credit for that. While also kind of surprising and delighting along the way to make sure that we always have that relationship. And what does internal marketing look like with your staff? How do you keep people motivated? How do you keep driving new applicants to Wetzel's? How does marketing influence the retention strategy? You know, it's interesting because the internal marketing starts from the very beginning. I mean, one, you want to start with a strong core brand that people are excited about. That alone is the best marketing, a place that people would feel proud to wear the uniform and would even consider putting in an application. But then once somebody's in your four walls, it's about having that community, giving the mentorship and having kind of the day-to-day touch points to be able to help them along their career journey and make sure that there are additional opportunities kind of laid out for them, that it can be more than just a summer job and that they can keep advancing throughout and to kind of show and create those pathways for them for that growth. And, you know, the culture is something that I'm proud of at Wetzel's. And I'll give one example of that. My marketing manager, Peyton, started her journey with Wetzel's as a 16-year-old working at a store as a team member and learning the process, getting a great support from her manager, and learning more about what could be possible with the company. And so through the years, she's not only worked at a store, worked her way up within the store, but then came to work at the corporate office from intern all the way up now to marketing manager and is so passionate as she learns more about the brand and sees the smiles on people's faces as we kind of deliver what we call handheld happiness to guests. And she's wanted to say like, what else can I do? And just this past year became a franchisee as well, getting her own food truck that she'll be having here in in Orange County. And so it was a way where somebody that started as I need a little of extra money for high school, for gas, to be able to create that, again, community, the connection, and showing the possibilities and spending the time throughout all of those kind of various positions to create the opportunity for somebody to grow in the organization. It's something we've seen time and time again, where we have a lot of longevity with the crew that's the corporate staff that's here because it just really does have a unique and very authentic culture that really tries to do that and create opportunities. If you're as obsessed with food as I am, then you're going to love this sponsor. What if I told you there's a credit card that's made for food lovers? Well, foodies, meet the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. With this credit card, you'll get four times the points on restaurant deliveries, takeout orders, and dine-in brunches, lunches, or dinners. Plus, Altitude Go gets you two times the points on groceries, yes, even delivery, streaming services, and gas station purchases. Apply to become an Altitude Go cardholder at usbank.com slash Altitude Go. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. 
And seeing malls struggle and, and seeing all of the changes that happen within our industry through and post pandemic, how has that evolved your marketing strategy? So what's interesting is that we've really seen that we were well poised in terms of our offerings. And what I say by that is a couple things. The big one is the rise in snacking. I mean, we've seen a big shift in the way consumers are eating with snacking reaching an all-time high and COVID just kind of put gas on that fire. I read something that said snacking has actually tripled in the last decade and that most Americans, about 90%, will trade a meal for a snack at least once a week. And so we're in this place where you know, we're known for pretzels and we're known for, for snackability, but we also are known for abundance and value. And so, well, you might consider us a snack. There's so much when you get a, a warm bag of bits, for instance, within that content, within that bag, that it really can function as a meal to get some pizza bits and pizza sauce and things like that. And so we've kind of hit that sweet spot with consumers and then it's just making sure that we're in the right places to be able to provide them those kind of quick, convenient, but yet high quality, consistent, portable meals on the go. So going in places like C stores, for instance, really makes sense for us. I mean, who wouldn't want some hot Wessels pretzels versus a stale bag of chips from the mm -hmm. counter when you've got the option? And so I think that's part of kind of what's where we've had a win-win, that we've still been very successful at malls, but there's also, because of the rise of snacking, an even greater kind of emphasis and ability for us to win there as well. What trends are you following generally? What did you see in 2022 that's carrying over to 2023? What are you tracking? What do you think is interesting out there? Well, I think the rise in snacking is very interesting. Just hitting that one more time, you know, we started with a traditional pretzels, dogs, lemonade, and seeing that consumers were focusing on snackability, portability, and wanting kind of smaller, more bite-sized options. We created bits, pretzel bits or bites, you might call them. And with that, we've now seen the creation of that, which has happened in the last 10 years. Now those, the smallest parts of our menu, the bits and bites, are about 50% of our mix. And so wow. we're seeing this movement of people wanting kind of the more snackable items they can eat, share or just kind of pop along the way. At the same time, we did see a shift in terms of how people are eating with protein. We're seeing more people use us more for protein. It kind of goes back to that shift toward kind of snacks as meals. So having the dog bites or having the pizza bits, seeing that P-mix shift. And at the same time, you know, we mentioned earlier, there's, of course, a trend in general in terms of digital ordering and off-premise. And COVID also put gas to that fire in terms of getting people familiar with and, and comfortable with ordering online or through third parties. And that growth certainly was like a hockey stick. It happened very quickly. And I think we're all thinking about what's the next stage of that? And how do we continue to evolve and or as we build our own or continue to enhance our own mobile applications and websites of thinking through the CRM data and what happens with that kind of one-to-one -one marketing and how to best 
maximize and be efficient in terms of segmenting and reaching out to guests in the best way to get kind of repeat purchase behavior. I'm sure in a large organization, so much of success is determined by specific numbers. So from a marketer's perspective, what numbers do you look at to evaluate the success or failure of any initiative? Obviously, everything rolls up to the top line. So of course, we're all talking about sales and guest counts and, and all of that to make sure that we know who's coming in, how they're coming in, and to make sure that we can continue to remain profitable. And then with that too, as we think through individual marketing promotions, it would depend on, you know, exactly what we're running, but being able to look at how engaged a guest is on social media, what kind of ROI we saw on an event, on a promotion in terms of, you know, some of that, of course, relating to sales, some of it relating to impressions. And depending if there was a product involved in terms of PMIX shift or check increase that would go along with it. And so, yeah, trying to dissect all of those things with some of the intangibles in terms of anecdotals and guest intercepts in terms of what we heard from the guest or Mm -hmm. from franchisees in terms of viability going forward. For those that are new to restaurant marketing, what's some of the low-hanging fruit? Where should they start? And where should they start in a place where they would see some ROI on that time that's spent? Well, there's, you know, I'm going to go back to your other question just for a second, and then I'll jump into this too. Just talking about opportunities, it's about trying to find, know when you've got an opportunity where there's kind of a bird in the hand and you can make the most out of it. And when you were talking about how do you think about ROIs? I'll just use kind of Rose Parade as one example, for instance, uh, for us. Uh And so last year we made our Rose Parade debut. And for us, it checked a lot of boxes and made a lot of sense. Rose Parade happens on Colorado Boulevard, like two blocks away from our office, a brand that was born and raised there in Pasadena, California. And it had last year this theme of dream, believe, achieve. And it felt so kismet because our brand was born because Rick Wetzel and Bill Phelps had a dream that they sketched out on the back of a cocktail napkin and they put together the Wetzel's brand. And you know now, all these years later, not only have they seen their dream be achieved, but we're seeing it happen time and time again as we are a franchise network. And as franchisees come into the system, are able to open their own bakery and use the brand to build generational wealth for their families. And with the Rose Parade, you know, we said, this is the year we're going to do it. We're going to have a float. But it was about making the most out of that opportunity and and having it not just be the moments that it rolls down Colorado Boulevard on New Year's Day. It was about building the campaign, the kit of parts, and making sure that we could take advantage of this national exposure and build the PR kind of leading up to that moment. And so in doing so, we were able to spur record growth across every metric that we have with including an all-time high interest in, in franchise sales. And so that campaign, I mean, it was from having food truck events, being at the Rose Bowl game, pretzel giveaways, in-store activations, crew activations, incentive programs, 
We even took over the famous Santa Monica Ferris wheel with a big pretzel on it. It was about finding all of the touch points and just saying yes and, and getting the word out about Wetzel's and creating this incredible excitement. And so at the end of that day, we could say, we've got almost 600 million PR impressions. We know what that ad value is worth. But again, we spike sales, we spike web hits, we broke every food truck record we ever had, we drove app downloads, and then we generated all these new franchise leads in this spike that we'd never seen before from all of the activity that we had. And we know that from now over time, from that pool of leads that we've been able to transition that into additional stores within the pipeline and new franchisees within our system. It is trying to find the opportunities. And part of that is just walking outside of your four walls and looking at your community, making sure that you're making the connection there and understanding what's unique to that community and how you do so with schools, with social media, with other business partnerships, other ways that you can be kind of ingrained and create that business flow to come as a result of that. And then pitfalls to avoid. I think that kind of goes back to one, you need to make sure that you're always talking to your guests and talking to your franchisees or general managers or other crew members because the insights are right in front of you. So to make sure that you understand what they're seeing, how something's actually functioning, or the other thing is great ideas that will come from them too. You know, one thing I mentioned earlier that I was working a store on National Wetzel Day last year and One of those great insights popped out of that visit in working alongside crew members. And that insight I thought was so great that it kind of sparked an idea that will lead to new product ideation that we'll be rolling out this year. And so it's making sure that you don't just stay in your office, that you're always in the field and understand the realities and the insights of what's happening. And then I'd also say back to sort of like the test and learn but also to pivot. And I'll give just kind of one quick example of that. So I was working at Blaze Pizza and we had a regular crust as one of the offerings. We had a gluten-free crust and we were also working at the time on cauliflower and found in that process of cauliflower and gluten-free exploration that there was the ability to also offer a keto crust that actually had only one gram of net carbs. And so it's one, recognizing the opportunity. And, you know, we did all of the internal cuttings and focus groups and all of that kind of stuff. But knew, of course, you need to put it in a real life environment to test, which we did. And it tested really well. And we wanted to go to market to be able to like understand the size of the prize. We could be the first national chain to offer a keto crust. And how cool is that? And we launched the product. And realized real quickly that we actually underestimated the power of national marketing, of national PR, of the health and fitness community and their connection. And it was so wildly popular that we were out of product in a few weeks. And so that's where, you know, as a, a marketer or an operator, you've got to pivot. And for me, it was, okay, how do we quickly decide what to communicate? 
what to communicate to our franchise partners and stores that have promotional materials for an item they no longer stock that they're out of. To our consumers who got real excited about the idea, we got all this attention from both some current consumers and, of course, a lot of new ones that weren't able to enjoy pizza before or more excited about the keto crust maybe than the traditional. And so what do you do with them? And our supplier, too. How do we get more as soon as possible and ensure that we have a contingency plan when we do? And so, you know, it was about that moment of you test and learn. So the test said yes, but the learning was, boy, in a real life environment, it might even exceed expectations. And so figuring out how to pivot of acknowledging the shortage, providing direction, taking action, giving rain checks to consumers, et cetera, in the interim, and try to spin the negative as a positive when we prepared to go and relaunch a month or so later when product then became in stock again, to be able to say, man, it was so wildly popular. You better come in now. And we're able to kind of get that PR engine. And because we had communicated so properly in the interim, able, able to kind of replicate that same sales bump and traffic bump and kind of take it the second time and build upon it. And also both of those did become permanent menu items because of that. So I think it's kind of making sure you have the proper steps in place, that you're listening to what you hear, but also even in a best case scenario, you might still have to pivot one way or the other and being prepared to understand when that happens, how to do it and quickly be able to communicate to all the the folks involved. The restaurant industry is filled with unspoken rules and traditions about how things should be done. How would you like to see our industry turn the tables to create a better future for all of us? One thing I would say, and that is in relation to kind of the restaurant industry makeup and trying to ensure that we have additional diversity and inclusion within it. And I'll say it from a couple standpoints, you know, for both people of underrepresented backgrounds, as well as women. And particularly, you know, there's, I read a stat that said there's more CEOs that are named John than there are female CEOs. And what's even more interesting with that is that the restaurant industry tends to be even more male, although it's kind of interesting as we often associate kind of a maternal, motherly kind of figure with cooking and culinary in general, right? Hasn't necessarily been true in terms of management from kind of the brand side. And then also on the other side, in terms of franchise actual like owners of a franchise location and operators. And so that's one of the things that Wetzel's has really been trying to champion and and ensure that there is greater representation And last year, we had launched what we call our Access to Equity program. And that does just that. It's trying to help women and minorities who are just need like this little extra help to be able to achieve their dreams to be aspiring entrepreneurs. And through some financial help, as well as providing educational and mentorship opportunities to help them make that little extra leap build and bridge that gap and to make those dreams possible. So we can see, again, additional representation as well as 
uh, female ownership as well. And so we're really excited to be in a place to have built that program, to have candidates that are going within it, and hopefully later this month to have our first candidate to open her first Wetzel's because of the program to make that accessible. And so that's something that our team internally is very passionate about. And, you know, we also coming in, we are led by a female CEO who's the first, not only the French or the, our company's first CEO, first female CEO, but first CEO after the founders, after uh, Bill Phelps. And so it's nice to see that as well as Lucy Lai, who is our CFO, to see women representation within the C-suite, but also to have see the passion and the ability to create programs and opportunities to ensure as you know they've made their way up within the industry, that they're also bringing other women and people of color up along as well. That's Kim Freer. For more information on Wetzel's Pretzels, visit wetzels.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.